You're listening to New Ideal, a podcast from the Ayn Rand Institute. On this podcast, we feature a curated selection of content from the pages of New Ideal, the journal of the Ayn Rand Institute. At New Ideal, we explore pressing cultural issues from the perspective of Rand's philosophy, objectivism, which upholds the ideals of reason, individualism, and capitalism. Find us on the web at newideal.aynrand.org. Hello, everyone. Welcome to New Ideal Live. This is the video and podcast series of New Ideal, the journal of the Ayn Rand Institute. I'm Ilan Jurno. Welcome. We discuss the complex issues and events shaping our world on this podcast, and we do it from the perspective of Ayn Rand's philosophy of objectivism, a philosophy that upholds the ideals of reason, individualism, and capitalism. If you'd like to learn more about our publication, you can find us on the web newideal.einrand.org. So today our topic is the assault on homeschooling and freedom in education. I'm joined by my colleague, Aaron Smith. Hey, Aaron. Hi there, Alon. Good to see you. So he's a fellow and instructor here at the Ayn Rand Institute. And what we want to talk about is uh, an article that has come out recently on homeschooling. And I'll, I'll give you the title here for those of you who can see us on the screen. The title is The Risks of Homeschooling, and this was published in Harvard Magazine. And it, this article is a summary of a longer piece in the Arizona Law Review by Elizabeth Bartlett. So we thought this was really interesting because, number one, practically everyone is homeschooling today because of the coronavirus pandemic. I think 55 million students around the country have had classes canceled. And a lot of people are getting a taste for what homeschooling looks like, and it's, it's not easy. Uh, and it, I don't think the uh, publishers at uh, Harvard Magazine had in mind that they would release this article at the time that so many people are at home and homeschooling, and that homeschooling is such a, a, a widely um, recognized phenomenon. So I think it's just a, a coincidence, but I think it, it has made this issue so much more uh, prominent because what Bartlett, who's a professor of law at Harvard Law School, uh, what she argues for is a really astonishing conclusion, which is that all things being equal outside of the pandemic context, uh, there should be what she calls a presumptive ban on homeschooling. So I want to, Aaron, I thought this was a really interesting uh, argument, and I think it's timely and on top of that, there's a really important philosophical issue here at stake. So, I mean, let's talk a bit about uh, what she means by a presumptive ban on homeschooling and why. Do you want to sort of give us a snapshot? Yeah, sure. Uh, so a presumptive ban isn't just a flat out ban. It's, uh, um, it's that homeschooling is not to be allowed legally unless it's approved or you get permission by the government, let's say you meet certain kinds of standards, educational standards or check-ins and so on. Uh, so it's illegal unless permitted. Um, and that's what the presumptive ban that she's calling for means. And the grounds that she gives uh, for these, uh, there are a number of them. One has to do with concerns about child abuse. The idea that if people are schooled at home just with the parents in, in uh, and not in a, in, a, in a setting where they're with other students and teachers and so on, um, that child abuse can be can go unchecked, unmonitored, unnoticed, uh, and she cites a number of really horrific kind of cases uh, of that. So, child, a potential child abuse is one of them. 
Um, one, another one is lower standards of education. So if the idea is if, if some of the people homeschooling their children aren't educated themselves, or they don't know how to educate, uh, that they can come out with a substandard uh, education. Um, uh, another one is, and this is a prominent one in her uh, article, is that there being uh, many homeschool kids, she says, are being educated in backward ideas. Um, they're in basic uh, kind of fundamentalist Christian ideas where they're taught that uh, women should be subservient to men. And as she claims, um, uh, white supremacy in some cases, racial segregation. And there are many claims being put forward there. And there's a question about, is that really what's driving this and what's going on? We can look into that. Um, but, and the other one, so I put it as child abuse, lower education, um, backward ideas that in isolate them uh, and so on. And, and, a, and a fourth one, which I think is an important one to consider because it taps into the more philosophic issues, uh, is that that children, if they're, I, they're isolated at home, they're taught at home, um, they're often isolated from the kind of democratic democratic values, the kind of social values that a school, like the homogenization, well, maybe that's put it, putting it too negatively, but the homogenization of, um, uh, that schools, kind of inculcate into the kids. There are kind of social values, which she regards as in some cases democratic values and tolerance and so on. Uh, and that when they're away from that, they're, I think they're less likely to be of use to the community, so to speak. Yeah, I think it's important to, to put her perspective in sort of a starker light, which is you, you might, as a parent, you might have a view that you want your children to, to be around other children, get different perspectives, different experiences, and, and you might, I mean, there's rational reasons to want to do that, but it, her argument isn't couched in terms of what parents might want for their children. It's, it's very different. It's society has an interest in educating children for what she describes as democratic ideas. And in her longer piece, uh, the, the one in the law review, she's careful to say, uh, this is not about having kind of a uniform uh, cultural indoctrination but in effect, what she argues for, putting that disclaimer aside, what she actually argues for is um, we can't let parents make the decisions about what their children are taught in terms of content, in terms of the setting. Uh, and it's so, I mean, if you part of what has made this, uh, has, there's been a lot of buzz about this article, and a lot of people have criticized it. And there's a lot you could point to in this, and some people have taken issue with her statistical claims about various aspects of homeschooling and the performance of homeschooling students on academic tests. Uh, we will touch on that, but um, and, and also just the accusations she makes about the the profile of homeschooling parents. She 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 says I think the majority of them are Christian uh, and sort of hardcore Christian fundamentalists. And I, I've talked to people who, who are in this community and it's just not true uniformly. I mean, a lot of them are uh, very religious and that's the reason they step out of the state schools, but it's not, I mean, in California, there are people who are secular who have moved into homeschool. And, and so there's reasons to question a lot of the claims she's making, including the one about how, I mean, the, if you can put her argument sort of in a, in a wider uh, context, it's, Homeschooling creates a, a crack through which children fall, both educationally and in terms of their security. And the, the, I mean, there's real questions about um, if you thought that was true, what would be the remedy? 
And so her argument, I mean, the question she's raising, this is what I want to, I think is worth unpacking and exploring today is, so she's basically saying we must have a presumptive ban on homeschooling. So that, I mean, the natural thing is to say, why? And is this, is this right? Should we? Uh, and I mean, it's, I mean, my, my, the short answer is no, absolutely not. Her argument for that presumptive ban doesn't hold up. It's not, it doesn't, it's not supported by the claims she makes. And it's pernicious because um, I think it's also a distraction from the wider sort of philosophical issue at stake here, which is that, I mean, if you think about homeschooling and, and I don't think, I mean, there's pros and cons to homeschooling. And I'm not here to argue homeschooling is an ideal. I think it's, it's something that serves some parents and some children really well. Uh, it, but it's not what I would prefer to do. And there's reasons you, you might not want to do it. So it's, it's not that homeschooling is an ideal we should fight to the death for. Rather, I think homeschooling is a pocket of freedom in a highly controlled uh, space, the whole, the whole education system. And it's, in, it's as, a, as a, a sort of pocket of freedom that you want to defend homeschooling and leave people to make the decisions for their children as best they can. So in that sense, I, I, what I would argue is the opposite. We should, we should be questioning the, the, the framework she's coming from, the whole idea that the state should be involved in education as a primary and the presumptive and you know the if there were a presumptive ban on anything uh it should be no the state should not be involved it should be up to parents and there should be a very different kind of situation now that's sort of the direction i think i want to take the conversation but let's let's start talking a bit about um her arguments and what she's basing it on just unpack it a little bit before we get to uh, some of the critique Um, so, so this is uh, Elizabeth Bartlett, and you know she's speaking from a an exalted perch at Harvard University. She has a name chair. She, and from what I understand, she's a prominent person in this field. She's written a lot about um, child welfare law and sort of the, the legal situation uh, surrounding education. Um, so let's just put a few things to one side because I think it they're important, but they're I don't think they're fundamental, and I don't want to. Um, I think it's important to just uh, recognize that. So one of the criticisms that she's gotten is, uh, well, you're, you're ignoring the fact that homeschool students perform really well academically, at least as well, if not better than uh, students in state schools. And I haven't looked at that data. It could be accurate. She criticizes the data that people in the homeschooling community give. She, she basically discredits the whole idea that anyone's gathering uh, serious data on this. So she's sort of dismissing that idea. Um, but I think even if you agree, even if you, you know, uh, just for the sake of argument, uh, accept that that's true, that homeschooling is superior or it's not superior, whichever position you take, I don't think this should hinge on whether homeschooling parents are, are succeeding really, really well with their kids. Um, they, the issue is, should they be free to make the, this if fundamental choice about how to raise their children, what kind of ideas they're exposed to? Um, it's, su it's super important that education be effective because education is itself vital. Uh, it's a huge value in life. Um, and one of the things you don't really get in, Bar in Bartlett's article, uh, the, the longer one, the full substantive treatment of this issue, is there's a, a hand-waving acknowledgement that state schools aren't performing well. 
And I think this is really important because if you're, if you're going to criticize homeschooling for not performing well, and if your real concern is with students getting an education, then you would have to take seriously the performance of state schools. Now, this isn't the fundamental issue, as I said. I think it's, it's an, a highly important one. And just one data point on the, the, the situation of state schools. So um, in, uh, in October 2019, there's an article in the New York Times reporting on the latest uh, report card for America, sort of our report card for schools in America that is produced uh, uh, periodically. And just one data point from that, two in three children who are tested between in, in uh, fourth and eighth grade were not proficient in reading. Two out of three. And that, that is the system that Bartlett thinks this is what we need parents to be in. And just stepping away from that is some sort of, sort of irrational decision. So, the, the, and she doesn't say more than just, yeah, if our schools aren't doing as good a job, we should give them the resources to do a better job. I mean, there's a whole other conversation and webinar we should have about how that ought to be the case. But just to put it in context is there's a real question if she's motivated by the goal of securing for children a good education. Because if you were, you would have to ask serious questions about the state system, which she just takes as a given and, and an unchallengeable value and benchmark against which to judge everything else. So, I mean, there's already reasons to question her motivation in terms of what is it she's really pushing. Um, and I think that the um, this is sort of taking the status quo as a given, so as a, almost like it's a part of nature. This, the government should be running schools. Uh, that's what we should judge everything by. That to me is, um, it, it's part of what is destructive about this article, which is it's, it's a distraction. And I think it's a, it's a conscious distraction from the, the, the fundamental issue, which is should parents be free to make these crucial decisions about what their children learn? And, and it might be that it takes the form of homeschooling for many people. It might not. It might be private schooling. But wh whatever it is, the, the principle is freedom in education. And that's what she's um, trying to shift the debate towards completely crushing. Um, so why don't we talk a little bit about um, th this whole idea that she brings up. Is part of her framework is that society has an interest in in certain kind of educational outcomes for the child. Yeah, I mean, the whole issue is, I mean, you, society, people in society can be interested in the idea, that's one thing. But the notion that society has its society as, the, as an entity, so to speak, has an interest in this. This is all code for collectivism. Um, and it's, so, I mean, if, so she says, she says that uh, homeschooling not only violates children's right to a meaningful education and their right to be protected from potential child abuse, but may keep them from contributing positively to a democratic society. The goal of education is not to make sure that children uh, contribute positively to a democratic society. It's so that they can live their lives and choose their goals and have a career and support themselves. And it, it, that's all collectivist premises built in there. Um, Likewise, she says, um, from the beginning of compulsory, uh, yeah, she says, um, she says, yeah, parents should have some kind of meaningful rights or something about teaching their kids values and so on. But she said, but it's also important that children grow up exposed to community values, social values, democratic values, 
ideas of non-discrimination and tolerance of other. So the idea is what we want to do is um, we want to have them in government schools uh, so that they can become socialized according to the values of uh, um, that are being promulgated there. And some of them you might agree with and some of them you might not agree with, but they need to have that sort of homogeneity of values so that they can be socialized democratically. Uh, in other words, in a, in a very collectivized way. Um, and this, I mean, this is a necessary, um, this is a necessary outgrowth of the fact that these are government funded schools. The government sets the standards for what counts as a good education. The government sets methodology uh, standards um, all of this is, and there, there's a real question there. I mean, I mean, objectivism as a philosophy rejects any kind of public education at all as, as, a, as an enormous violation of the parents' rights to determine um, what kinds of education their child should get, what kind of values they want to inculcate, what kind of ideas and perspective that they think the child needs. And that's an enormous responsibility, but it's, it is the parents' right to do that. I mean, from an objectivist perspective, it's the parents' right to do this not from government bureaucrats telling them what they have to do. I mean, the whole issue, the whole bringing in of the issue of compulsion into this and, and making it, you, you have to, you know, or you go to jail, uh, adhere to these standards of education um, is an enormous violation of people's rights. And that's, to, that's one of the things that Yolanda, you were saying, that's one of the things that's just not, it's in the background. It's not, it's taken as a, it's like a law of nature, so to speak. And like, that's not up for question. Um, so you can debate the merits of, uh, is it better to be in a school setting, whether it's private or public, but is it better to be in a school setting or at home or are what are the metrics and you can look at the studies and but I don't think any of this really turns on that, because even if it were like you said, even if it were true that homeschoolers on average were lower in terms of their academic standards. That's not the issue. And I think also if there are cases in some cases of, of child abuse uh, at home, that is not the issue. I mean, that's important and it's worth considering is like if there are really cases of child abuse that is that is, there we have laws on the books for that there's a real reason why you need to prosecute people like that but the idea that it's you you have to prove that you're not a child abuser um to be able to teach your children is 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 taking uh, uh edge cases or uh, a real a minority cases and applying that to everybody else who is a it should be presumptively rational <laughs> I just want, wanted to remind people of the name of the author in case they want to look up the article. It's Elizabeth Bartlett, and I've put on the screen uh, uh, an image of the uh, law review article. You can also Google her. Uh, it's in the Arizona Law Review Homeschooling, Parent Rights Absolutism Versus Child Rights to Education Protection. That's the title of the article if people are interested in finding it. Uh, I just want to add one, just a bit on something you said, uh, Aaron, that I, I think it this is a, a manifestation of the idea of collectivism of the individual is subservient to the group. And in this case, it's, it's kind of a social form of it where society has needs and, and interests. The other aspect of it that I think is really uh, salient in her argument is, uh, so a premise of collectivism is that the individual is incompetent to judge, incompetent to make crucial decisions in their own life, and incompetent to decide values, and, and just think cognitively. Like it's, it, it's sort of the deepest, one of the deepest aspects of, of collectivism is it's, it's, a, it's a negation of the human mind and of sovereignty of the individual, and therefore you have to su su submit yourself to the group. And that is all over Bartlett's argument. So she makes the case that um, 
parents, some of them are not qualified to teach their kids. Some of them, even if they want to do a good job, they can't do a good job. And that might be true, but it's the parent who has to decide how best to fill that need in the child's life. And they, and they might decide to delegate it to somebody, a tutor. They might, well, they might do the best that they can, but it's, it's their life. It's their family. It's their child. It's their decision. But she's coming in from the perspective of it's obvious these parents don't know what they're doing. They have to hand them over to the, the school. And we who are in charge of sort of the voice of the community, the voice of society, we will decide these things for you. Uh, and it's, who are you to think that you know what you want or what you should do? Uh, and it, it's, this is sort of, I think, not only true of her argument, I think it's, it's a premise of a lot of the um, people who are in defense of the status quo, sort of the, the intellectuals who defend the state system, uh, the state's role in education. So, uh, uh, and, and, you know, she's railing against the idea that parents have an absolute control over their children. I think, I mean, we were talking about this the other day, right? It, it, I don't think that's really true. Uh, I don't think the law supports that view, uh, but I think sort of philosophically, you don't have absolute control of your child. You have the responsibility of raising it properly. And there's a real, and there's a legal aspect of that. You certainly can't uh, harm your child. Uh, uh, and child has rights that you have to, that, that come into this picture. And, and absolutely there, there's a state role for protecting children from abuse and neglect. There's no question about that. But the, the idea that you have absolute control of your, your child, it's not, I mean, it's just not the reality I've experienced. Yeah. I don't think it's yeah. true. That it's not, not accurate in terms of how to think about what your child is. It's another sovereign human being who's developing from, from zero to being a fully independent person. And you have to be able to recognize that they, they need to have rule. Um, you're not an authoritarian over your child. I mean, not metaphysically, that, that's yeah. the issue. Yeah, and, and the way she puts it, she says, um, uh, that parents should have a very significant should have very significant rights to raise their children with the beliefs and religious convictions that parents hold. What's very significant mean? But anyway, she says the issue is: Do we think that parents should have twenty four seven essentially authoritarian control over their children from age zero to eighteen? Again, that's hyperbolic at at, at best. I mean, it's twenty four seven doesn't mean authoritarian. Um, that they're at home doesn't mean authoritarian. That's painting, and so, and, and you have authority in the sense that the child is your responsibility. Um, to, to paint that as the equivalent with authoritarian is just to, uh, I, mean, I mean, it seems like parents, I mean, you'd paint all parents with that then, because whether your kids go to school or not, you still have the authority uh, over them and send in, in the sense that you're their guardian and you're, you're their, you're their guardian of their, their rights and, and, and trying to foster their own education and development. Um, I mean, that's a way of really high, trying to represent homeschooling as authoritarian. Um, and anybody who knows uh, people in the homeschooling community, I mean, this would come across, and this is one of the reasons why I think the article took so much heat uh, I didn't. I didn't read anything supporting <laughs> the article. Uh, every every article that I was managed to find uh, um, was almost well. Every one of them uh, challenged her 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 point statistics on the point about uh, the the quantity the, the percentage of people who are uh, some sort of Christian fundamentalists or something uh, put it as something like up to ninety percent 
some studies say. So what does that mean? Uh, and many of them said something that was more like, well, two thirds of homeschoolers are, you know, Christian or whatever, but two thirds of Americans are Christian. So it was like, a, it, it's not that, I mean, the whole homeschooling movement, what was this in the nineties? Yeah, I think was in fact spearheaded by Christians who wanted to, um, you know, teach their kids according to their own values. And, and, and so there, that, that was part of the uh, animating force behind it, but it's gotten so much more diverse uh, now that you can't really paint it with a broad brush like that. Um, yeah, and so it goes to the, some of the arguments that she makes that it, it, I mean, she does characterize a predominantly a religious uh, uh, phenomenon of people stepping away from the mainstream culture and isolating their kids and, and in harmful ways, isolating them intellectually. Uh, again, I agree. I, I mean, I, I would have to do a thorough study of the, of the this, sort of the homeschooling community to, to, to be confident that this is true. But I think one thing that's really uh, conspicuous by its absence is the fact that, so she's highlighting the way in which homeschooling can be, and in, in, in anecdotal cases is a, a way for, for, bad parents, parents who are neglectful and, and maltreating their children and worse, to, to get away with doing harm to their children, which no one can defend, right? That's not the point of homeschooling. I don't think anyone would argue for that. Um, but what she's, what's conspicuous by its absence is the point that there are reasons people leave the, the state system, and it has to do with the deficiencies of the state system and that their children, sometimes it's, they have trouble reading or they have um, ADD or ADHD or one of those uh, kind of related uh, situations where what the child needs is a lot more hands-on education that you just can't get or many schools can't offer or can't do adequately. Uh, and also the things like bullying and just the, I don't know what kind of schools you went. I went to a lot of different schools and it was, uh, varied, right? So some schools were great. Some schools were just, you didn't, I mean, there was one school I almost went to, but my parents decided to drive me 20 miles to a different town to, to avoid it, which was, you know, we moved to this town and, and that week there was a shooting at the school. And so my parents said, yeah, we're not going to send you to that school. That doesn't sound like a safe place to put my child. And that, obviously the, there's a range of experiences. I, I don't want to highlight just the sort of the extreme ones. Um, but, 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 but it's relevant too that you, you said, um, let me interrupt, but it's, I don't mean to highlight the extreme ones. Yeah. This was just a random thing. It's not like you cherry pick some right. wacko example. So like I grew up in rural Virginia, uh, a small town, um, and we had to constantly worry about, and my parents chose the, the neighborhood to try to get me into the best school that they could find in the area. I and mean, we couldn't afford private school, so we had to public school. Uh, and we had to constantly, all through middle school, not elementary school, but middle school through high school, you constantly had to worry about fights and the kind of the, kind of the groups of thugs walking around, make sure you're not looking in that. I was constantly, or on the bus, at the bus stop, you constantly had to worry about that. And I mean, this is one of the things is that you were saying that one of, there are lots of reasons why people homeschool. It's not to abuse their kids or, you know, teaching them a bunch of backward nonsense. Uh, I mean, everything from the number one reason, according to some of the, the, the latest uh, polling is the number one reason people homeschool their kids in terms of uh, what they report uh, is to get them out of the, the public school environment, you know, where there is this kind of, uh, in some cases, racism, in some cases, bullying, in some cases, uh, and all sorts of things at public school. I mean, anyway, so again, and again, so, and I had a, uh, had a girlfriend in high school, she came from Chicago, and it was like, again, see, we're not cherry picking in the sense, like, we find some extreme examples. These are just the ones that come up in our own lives. Uh, 
Uh, and I mean, they had like metal detectors at the door and you couldn't wear certain things like a denim jacket, anything that looked like it was gang related. And it was... The idea that, you know, the public school system is um, like an axiom that you simply have to accept and then we just have to figure out how to do with it. I mean, the prison, yeah, the prison, yeah. <laughs> I think the the debate should be not whether homeschooling is more effective or the child is in a better atmosphere if they're home protected or if they're in a public school, but it should we even have public schools? And that's not something she's willing to touch. And I think that's the issue. I mean, that's the fundamental issue is should, should we have a compulsory education run by the government? I mean, there are, there are private schools, so not, they don't ban private schools. She's not saying ban private schooling. Um, but they've become so prohibitively expensive to most people, um, partly because of the virtual monopoly that the public school system has. If, you're, if it, your choice is it's, you know, 50 bucks a year or 75 bucks a year or whatever it is, I don't know what it is now, um, just to matriculate your kid or pay for a couple of textbooks uh, for public school versus, you know, you're paying 10,000, 7,000, 20,000, 30,000, whatever it is for a private school. I think most parents would just send their kids to public school. And homeschooling gives them an option. I'm not going to send them into the environment of public school. I can't afford private school. And, you know, and then it's also a mischaracterization, I think, of, of much of uh, homeschooling, that it's one uneducated parent sitting in the living room with their kid. Often they form co-ops, you know, with like, I'm not good at math, but I know uh, I, I would be good at teaching like English and writing and reading and stuff, but it's part of the, the world I swim in, you know, uh, and maybe you're good at some other field and we're just, you know, and some parents get together into groups to teach and it's not right to paint them as a bunch of backward people, not if you know them. Uh, yeah, I mean, the issue really is should the government have any role and we can talk about this, should the government have any role at all? Because there are, there are real questions there that if you're, you're not giving your child any education, like they can't read. They can't write. I mean, I mean, my view is that the only, the only, the only way in which the government should have, should or could, have a role in education um, and in have a say in it, is if you could put it under um, a protection of rights. If you if you could formulate it in such a way as you could show that this is a violation of the child's rights. Um, not a right to learn pottery and in and, and, and Western European history, but it's it's a violation of their rights and they can't function. They can't read a sign. They can't read if it you there you could make an argument um, that, but it would have to be under the setting is that you have to demonstrate that this is a, a, a violation of a child's rights. And if it is, then there's some role for the government to play in setting some really minimal standard. But if you can't formulate it in terms of rights, and there's no violation of rights, and it's up to the parents to choose. And some people will maleducate their kids and some people won't, but this is part of what is involved in freedom and in growing up as a culture is that we have to embrace that and take responsibility for it. And th this idea of maleducation, I, I think it's important that, so I, I mean, the, the wider issue is in freedom, the, 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 the freedom means that the, individuals are left to make their best decisions on their, their use their most rational uh, conclusions to guide them in their own lives. And, and they're responsible for doing that. Uh, and it's true that for a lot of different kinds of freedoms that people have, 
they, they, they make bad choices about their own uh, lives, about their, their families, their finances, all kinds of bad things people do um, through either negligent or just not thinking about it or uh, irresponsibility or all kinds of reasons or just immorality. So uh, in freedom, people are going to go wrong. And that's part of the fact. That's not why, that's not the argument for freedom. The argument for freedom is to allow the people who are take, uh, thinking, who are rational, who do want to make the best, uh, most rational decisions in their lives, to leave them to do that. And I think that's what this article is trying to destroy. I just want to read one chilling sentence uh, from the Law Review article by Bartlett, because I think it captures this idea. So she says, uh, to the degree, this is a quote, to the degree public schools are seriously deficient, our society should work on improving them rather than simply allowing some parents to escape. Escape. <laughs> rather than allowing some parents to escape. So, and I don't think she's using that term metaphorically. I think it's, it's literally, they belong in the state's hands. The parents are not qualified, competent, or in, in, entitled to, to make these decisions. We are going to make it, and this is how it's going to be. Um, so it's, it's this attack on the sort of the principle of freedom in the context of education that I think is, is what's sort of the, a crucial issue at stake. And it's because, edu I mean, education is so important. <laughs> I mean, there's no, there's no overstating the value of, of education properly done. Um, and I think it's it, because it's bound up with ideas that this is the reason government shouldn't be involved. So her argument is, oh, these parents are going to make bad choices. They're going to indoctrinate their kids in these wacky ideas. They're going to stunt their minds, you know, uh, train girls to be housewives as opposed to career. All of these things... That, yeah, I don't want my kids doing that. I, I think those are really bad choices for those parents. And I also don't want my, uh, you know, families who indoctrinate their kids and only teach them the Bible and nothing else are, are handicapping their children for life in the real world. But that's part of what, uh, these are outcomes that happen in a free society and it's those parents' responsibility. And at a certain point, it's maltreatment and it's a, it's a legal issue. But her argument is, um, because ideas can be transmitted through education, we can't let parents do it because of what they might do. And my view is it's precisely because education is bound up with the dissemination of ideas and content. That is why it has to be the parents' fundamental uh, freedom to decide those things. Uh, so, so that's one point. And I, I, I want to just touch on another one, which I think we, we, have to get, we have to get this point across. I know we're coming up on our time, but we have to get this point across. And, and here's the issue. Uh, I think one reason people opt out of the state system, whether they consciously identified exactly this way or not, and I think this is true for a lot of the, the religious people who leave, it's they, they see a clash in what is taught in the state schools in terms of the content and what they believe. And it might be that the schools are right, to be teaching certain things like, yeah, we should know about evolution. I think that's, it's well-established, that's science. You, it, you need to know about that. And it could be that the state schools are wrong about some things. There's all kinds of things they teach about societies and culture and values that I disagree with fundamentally. But as a parent, it's your responsibility and it's your interest to be vested in what your child learns about these issues 
and the kind of the, both in terms of knowledge that they gain, is it sound knowledge? Is it well established? And and the sort of the value implications of all this. Uh, so you you uh, you should be concerned about this, and you should um, want your child to be exposed to the best ideas and the and sort of the best methodology for thinking. But the, what is completely missing from this debate, and this is what I think one of the points Ayn Rand makes when she discusses education, is that there's there's a fundamental clash between government being in education to the extent that it is, like a monopoly on education practically, and the principle of intellectual freedom. Intellectual freedom covers things like religious freedom. It covers free speech. It covers a whole range of things, but it basically means you, you have to be left free to think and speak and communicate and, and, and be the arbiter of the ideas you accept. And it, the government has no role in that space. It should have no proper role in that space. And yet that's exactly what happens in education. And it leads to a contradiction that's un, essentially unresolvable because so you, you, you pay property taxes that go to education or however the education system is, is funded wherever you live. And you might believe in evolution which is, I think, a good thing to believe because I think it's well-founded, it's scientific. But your neighbor thinks that creationism needs to be taught in the schools and you both support the same school. What should the school teach? I mean, both of you have a legitimate claim to say, well, it's, if the state's taking my money to fund the, the teaching of uh, content in these schools, what, why can't my views be represented? And why can't my views be represented? Now, th there's... So because it's run by the state, there's no sort of fair way to resolve. I mean, they end up resolving it in various ways because there is curriculum and there have to be decisions made. But somebody's always unjustly treated as a result because their view can't be represented, whether it's rational or not. Uh, and, and this is another reason, this is a different perspective on the point that it's the parents who should be really, cons who should want to know what their children are learning and want the best content, the best ideas, the most rational views and values taught to their kids, not handing it out over in effect. It's not even delegating it because the view that Bartlett is pushing, is not, yeah, we'll do it on your behalf. It's not, we get to decide. You hand them over to us and we are the ones who make all these decisions, not you, because we are the voice of society we we get to make these decisions, not you. This is sort of the going back to the collectivism point that we started with, and that's that is what this is the hill to fight for. This is what needs to be pushed. That the principle we need to fight for, if you care about your children, if you care about freedom, is that is to push government out of this the education system to end its monopoly and liberate education, which includes protecting homeschooling as a legal, uh, 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 something, a legal option, but it also includes more. It includes liberating the schools. This is a long-term project, but it means liberating them and making it possible for there to be private education. Just as in every market, there are, um, every free market that for a product, you get a range of options. That's what you would get in a, in a, in a free education market. And it, yeah. it would, you know, that's the, that's the issue at stake. We need yeah, the idea. Yeah. The idea isn't to, um, if you get rid of public education, you're drastically limiting people's options to you're, you're vastly increasing them. Um, and, but then you're making them non-compulsory 
if I'm religious and you're not, my, my tax dollars don't go to support an educational system that teaches beliefs that, that I don't believe or I don't want my kids to believe and likewise for you. Um, so, I mean, that, that's in a way it's, 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 it's opening up a whole range of opportunities uh, for children. So it's, it's also a mischaracterization that you would think that if everything's got, uh, if, all private, uh, if all education is private schools then everything's gonna be 20,000 a year, no, like like you said, like any product, and you'd have everything from a basic kind of a low low level, large class, internet based kind of class that costs virtually nothing, uh, you know, versus you have people with PhDs and a lot of pedagogy pedagogy experience and stuff, and years of teaching teaching children in small classrooms, very expensive. You'd have a whole range of it, um, but the, it's the whole authoritarian collectivist premise that the, you can't make these decisions. You're not allowed to make these decisions. The government will decide for you. Uh, and you don't want anyone to escape. And the escape is important, that word, because like one of the questioners in the Zoom chat has, uh, said, would she want the state taking control over her children? And it's so common that, you know, uh, that people in political office who are often pushing hard for public education send their kids to private school. Of course they do. I mean, they'd be crazy not to. Um, but then the whole idea, but that, so that's why the motivation is not so much quality of education, it's collectivization of education. Uh, it's let's make sure that the growing trend of homeschooling doesn't lead to increased sense of independence and disconnection from the collectivization of education and from this responsibility to the community and everything. That is the trend I think that really worries her. Um, and the other issues of quality of education and abuse, I think they're really side issues. I mean, they're not, they're not important issues, but I think I think that's really where it is. It's, we can't move in the direction of freedom. Uh, we have to make sure we get back to and recommit to collectivized education um, and that you can't decide. Uh, and that's, the, that's I think, that's what animates most of us. I mean, because, yeah, I'm concerned with quality of education, too. And if, if someone's being abused, that's a real issue. Um, but it's, yeah, that's the trend. It's, it's yeah, and it, it, it's worth hammering the, the point that, um, so a big part of her argument, this is Elizabeth Bartlett, a big part of her argument is that homeschooling creates an opening for, uh, in effect, parents to do all kinds of harm to their children without getting noticed because schools are a, a, a sort of a point at which these things get noticed and reported to authorities. And I mean, it's really important to get the yeah, no parent should be maltreating and abusing their child. That's, that, should be, that is illegal, and it should be something the state pursues and prosecutes. And it, you don't have a right to do that to your child. The child is a human being. They have rights uh, which get expressed in, uh, uh, as they grow up in different ways, and uh, that's an important issue. And I think it, it, what's, part of what's pernicious in Bartlett's argument is that she, in effect, it's so if you're for homeschooling, you want people to harm their kids and maltreat them and, and indoctrinate them with crazy things. And yeah, no, no sane person wants that. So she's sort of creating this, this corner into which people are pushed. Uh, and it's, it's really a distraction from the fundamental issue, which is, as you put, I think you're right, it, it, it's this, this entrenching of the collectivized state system of education and who are these parents who do they think they are to be stepping in and making decisions over their own lives and their children's future by making these decisions on education and using um 
case, edge cases in many, in many uh, examples, sort of ex uh, cases which are meant to show, oh yeah, here's where it broke down and, and these kids were badly treated. Um, she gives, so one of the famous anecdotes she mentions is uh, Tara Westover, which many people may know from her book, Educated. So this woman uh, grew up in Idaho in a family of survivalists and a splinter, sort of highly religious splinter group from uh, I think the Mormon church. And it's, it's a fascinating book. And Bartlett raises this and says, well, look, um, Tara Westover was really bright. She made it out of there. She clawed her way out of that kind of crazy world into a good education because she's smart. But how many kids are not like that? That You can't start from that. You can't start from people who are doing irrational things and make that the standard by which everyone has to be to, to surrender their freedom to. Um, why not talk about the parent whose child is autistic and needs to be homeschooled or the child who has reading trouble and needs to be, or the family that can't afford to drive the, the, their kid to the school. And so they decide to do it themselves or they think they can do a better job than the state school because they're so committed to education as a value in their lives. They're going to forego one income so that one of the parents can raise their kids at home and, and homeschool. Why not think about that? So there's a real question about how truly motivated this is about um, providing education to children and protecting them versus entrenching uh, sort of the status quo, which is so destructive. Uh, and there's no real acknowledgement of how destructive it is. Uh, let's see. I mean, what kind of, uh, we've done this before, Aaron. We keep, we keep getting into what I find fascinating topics and we, um, we get a lot of questions. Let's see if we can get through some of these. Let me grab a question uh, here from Zoom, uh, Catherine. Is education a right or a privilege? As driving is not a right, but a privilege. Um, I wouldn't put it that way. Freedom is a right. And the freedom to educate a child and the freedom to seek an education is a right. It's not a, certainly not a privilege. Uh, and it's because privileges are granted. Uh, who would be the one to grant you the privilege to be educated. Um, that assumes some kind of a authority who's gonna allow you to do it. And that's not the right way to put it. And I wouldn't put the driving is not a right, but a privilege. Freedom of movement is a right, whether you drive or you fly a plane or you walk or whatever, I think is not the issue. So I wouldn't say that driving is a privilege. Again, the government doesn't grant you the right uh, to, to move around via an automobile. Um, yeah, so I would say freedom of freedom is a right, whether it's freedom to seek an education or freedom to move around. Um, driving is something that kind of is too particular, even though you might be licensed for some reasons. Uh, so one question, I think this is Josh on Zoom is asking, uh, if the point of Bartlett's article is to make education mandatory starting at age three, uh, she, this is continuing, she, can, she knows she can't succeed in eliminating homeschooling now, what is she trying to achieve? Most states have compulsory education starting at, three, at six. Uh, it's possible that that's part of her goal, but in, in the longer article, uh, she acknowledges that what she's proposing, this presumptive ban, uh, is going to be a hard climb because basically every state has provisions allowing, or sort of, it, it is a parent's uh, prerogative to homeschool. They don't have to prove that they can do it. Uh, and I think she wants to, my read is, she wants to change the, the direction of the debate away from, um, you know, which way of schooling is more effective to 
homeschooling is a path to sort of wholesale child abuse and, and maltreatment and neglect. And it's going to undermine our society uh, because these kids are going to come out and they, they'll, they will have been so sheltered intellectually. They might even be bigoted. They might be fanatics, all kinds of ways in which the, and it's speaking to people who already accept some of those assumptions about what ideas should predominate and the assumptions that the state should govern, should, should keep its monopoly on education. So I think she's speaking in part to that community or that audience. Uh, but I think it is to, to kind of uh, sort of stake some ground here and make the argument in such a way that people who are for homeschooling or for uh, more broadly for freedom in education are going to be put on the defensive. I think that's part of the goal here is to say, well, oh, so you want to allow all these children to fall through the cracks. And, and the answer is, no, of course, we nobody wants any child to fall through the cracks, either intellectually or in terms of their personal safety. But that's the, this is the kind of uh, framing that she's using in this art, article. Uh, so it's not a, yeah, next month we'll, we'll put these things into law in these states. It's not that kind of program. It's, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push a different kind of framing to, to achieve a certain goal. Um, so that, that's my answer for that one. Uh, oh, so another question from JM on Zoom. Maybe this one and then you can take one more and then we'll wrap up. So, because we're running up to the clock. Uh, JM is asking, is it fair to frame her position as one that assumes parents are guilty of incompetence until proven innocent? Uh, and then how would you compare this to driver's license? Let me put the driver's license thing to, to one side because I think Aaron touched on that. But yes, I think her view is that... Um, I mean, her, her express goal is to make the law such that, yes, you are, in, you are disqualified from being the teacher for your own child until you can show a sufficient evidence, A, that you're not going to harm them, and B, that you know how to teach. And this would be by the standards of state credentialing, and, and they have to meet the curricula kind of standards in schools, and it would be benchmarked against what the local school is, wherever you are. Uh, but yeah, the, the premise is, fundamentally the premise is uh, the, the collectivist view that you are incompetent, you're not qualified to live or even raise your own children, you would have to jump through rings of fire to prove that you could do it and that you have a good reason. So for example, oh, uh, your child is an athlete and he needs flexibility or your child has, you know, needs extra help in classes, so therefore, gonna, so you would have to make the case that you should have this freedom as opposed to you have it and uh, you can use it. So yeah, I think it comes from the idea that you're fundamentally incompetent. It's an, uh, sort of a negation of the human mind's efficacy. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's also, it's, it's also a kind of preventive law in a way. It's like to make sure you don't do something that might be wrong when we have no evidence to think that you're doing that, you, that you have to go do things and jump through hoops to show us. And that's the wrong relationship. Mm -hmm. We take a question by Harlan. To what extent should the government be able to oversee homeschooling? For example, to grant a standardized graduation certificate, uh, should the government provide materials, et cetera? Um, my view uh, is that the government shouldn't be overseeing homeschooling at all. I don't think the government has any role whatsoever in, in overseeing homeschooling, in exercising standards for what they have to meet. That's none of that at all. Um, should parents have good standards? Yeah. Should this be a matter of the government to uh, formulate things that everybody has to abide by? Absolutely not. 
So you give the example of uh, granting a standardized graduation certificate. Like, why would you need to do that? Um, so when it comes to, again, if you're, you're talking about trying to, uh, if you're talking about privatizing schools, and so schools are private, individual colleges or high schools may have standards that they would require you to meet. So if you have a private high school uh, or a private middle school, they can say, look, if you're not meeting at this, reading at this level, and if you're not at math in this level, and so on, they could have standardized testing. So if you're homeschooled until you're, say, seven or eight or 13, um, then to get into that high school, uh, you could have standards. And so people have to grow up. That's the thing. You, people have to become, they have to mature to freedom. And it's the more a government does this for them, makes the decisions for them, creates the standards for them. Everybody just sort of toes the line and says, well, we got standards. How in the hell would we have standards if we didn't have the government? If the more and more things become free, the more and more the responsibility comes out and the more and more um, private organizations take the responsibility to set standards, like with like SATs and ACTs and LSATs. This is the reason why these have to have anything relationship to the government. But it's if you're going to try to get into a private law school, it's like they have standards because they can't accept everybody. So they accept a small portion. You have to meet certain standards. Same things with colleges. And there's no reason why colleges can agree to certain kinds of standards if that's what they want or they have different standards for different colleges. So, I mean, I think if you, what you'd wind up having is in a, in a system where education is free, um, homeschoolers, if, they, if, they're, if they're not just <laughs> isolating the kids for crazy reasons, but homeschoolers and any other kind of uh, thing would have to um, uh, meet certain kind of standards if they want their kids to move on. Um, I mean, so again, I, there's no reason why you'd have to have a graduation certificate. Uh, yeah, and I think one of the things we've seen, just to circle back to where we began with so, so many millions of families now homeschooling by necessity because of, I mean, homeschooling in quotes because it's by necessity because schools are shut down and they have to do remote learning or just they get packets from their teachers to, uh, you know, help their children continue learning things during the, the, the lockdowns, which have affected so many millions. Um, one of the things that's been, through, we've gotten a glimpse of this, which is <clears throat> the, the degree to which there's still so much room for innovation in education. And I don't mean that just in, you know, a laptop for every kid or whatever, the, the, sort of the, which is important, but it's, it's at the level of pedagogy, like distance learning and children can watch something they can watch a lesson, then rewind it and watch again. And, and so this is some of the things you see on YouTube with, I think the Khan Academy had this uh, model for a while now, but there's a lot of students find that better than just listening to the teacher live. So they, because they didn't get something, they can rewind, watch it six times and then they get it. Um, and in the same way that you have, you know, enormous opportunity for innovation in terms of how education happens, there's, 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 room for the kind of solutions you're describing, Aaron, which is how does a parent who's not a teacher know that they're doing a good job? How do, what would a responsible person want to find out? Would there be tests that people develop? Would there be consultants? Would there be businesses that do this for you? Would there, would there be accreditation, private accreditation systems? Would there be sort of uh, upstream systems that, okay, you want your kid to go to this college. Well, this college has tests that you can take at age 12 and age 15 and age whatever, like maybe people, I mean, there's all kinds of ways you can solve for these problems to know if your child's on the right track, whether they're in public school or homeschool or whatever model that, it, not public schools, but private schools, whatever models people find. And there's just so many models that I can't think of them. It's not something I spend time on, but I'm, just as there are amazing innovations in other areas of our lives, imagine how much there would be in education if it were freed up. 
And just to kind of close on this, I mean, I think this is what is so, uh, why this deserves attention, which is this is an assault on freedom. This, this whole article, it's using homeschooling as a wedge into this issue and it's create and it's framing it in such a way to put advocates for freedom generally on the in defensive, which I think is wrong because it's not a, it's not a good argument. Uh, and I think this is the direction, the fundamental direction that we should move toward. And one thing I, I hope that will come out of the pandemic that has some sort of potential, which is one, I think a lot of parents are seeing, well, this is what my kid actually does at school. I don't, Think this is that satisfactory i don't it's very different when your child's at home all day and you see what they're learning and how little it is um and then the other one is just a lot of people are there's i mentioned you know the different models of how students are learning i think we're going to discover that for some kids it's they it, they do so much better when they're in a remote setting um in terms of just getting the information if, if efficiently uh, and so maybe that'll be a direction that this this whole area will take, um, and, and I think we will see much better outcomes. Which is not to say they shouldn't be with other kids and so on and be isolated. That's not a, an ideal. But so there's a whole picture to fill in here. But th there's room here for people to see a glimpse of what some good outcomes will be. The more education uh, is there's innovation, and the more freedom there is. And I'll just make one last point is that. Um, and Alan and I were talking about this before we, because we both did, did some research on this before doing this uh, webinar. But uh, it's important to, to if you want to speak out about issues, about this kind of issue, to not get into the, 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 the that's not a trap, not get into the side issue of debating the relative merits of quality of education, homeschooling versus private school versus public school. Like, that's a red herring. It's a relevant issue, but it's, that's not the fundamental issue. And the, you have to stick to the idea that this is an issue of freedom. This is an issue of rights. This is an issue of, you know, individualism versus collectivism. This is the issue of like, should people be able to decide what they're doing, uh, and to keep that issue focused, and don't accept the premise that you're on the defensive uh, if you're advocate an advocate for freedom. Uh, a philosophic perspective is. No, the burden of proof is on you, who's asserting that the government has the role to uh, to bring in the gun to the issue and to compel people. And you have to say, you show me that someone's rights are being violated. Otherwise, you know, I'm not the one on the defensive because um, it's very easy to do that and start going. Well, I know this homeschool kid, and he's really smart, and th that's not the issue. Um, to keep it. At, to keep, I mean, I don't mean ignore the particular details, but to keep in mind that the primary is freedom and not testing standards. Well, I, we've run out of time. Thanks to all of you who, who shared your questions with, we actually read them all and we save them and we use them to generate new topics. So please, uh, we, we really appreciate you submitting them. And this, one, this topic was suggested to us by, by a viewer. We're grateful for that. And we, we welcome your feedback as always. Now, one thing uh, I'll mention is we didn't get to talk about this, but it would be good. We could do a whole other session on this. Uh, Ayn Rand has some fascinating analyses of the state of education during her own time. Uh, uh, and she was very interested in the issue of education. One essay you might look, and we'll put this in the show notes and link to it, is her essay, The Comprachicos, which is an analysis of the movement called progressive education that was dominated the 20th century and still has massive influence. And another resource people can look for is uh, a talk by uh, Dr. Leonard Peikoff 
called uh, Why Johnny Can't Think, America's Schools, uh, which I think he gave at the Ford Hall Forum many years ago. Fascinating analysis. Put that in the show notes too. And just to close, I want to remind everyone, if you're listening to us on the podcast, please uh, subscribe and tell your friends. And if you're watching us on YouTube, uh, you can subscribe to ARI's YouTube channel. We, we would love to have you uh, join us. And, and if you do subscribe, make sure to uh, click on the bell and get notifications whenever we go live and whenever we add new content, which is a lot. We have a lot of more content coming uh, almost daily now. So we'd love to have you become a member. Until next time, thank you all. See you next time. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for coming. You've been listening to New Ideal, a podcast from the Ayn Rand Institute. If you like what you hear, leave us a review, share with a friend, and subscribe to our other podcasts. This podcast was made possible by donors to the Ayn Rand Institute. Help support this podcast by becoming an ARI member. Go to aynrand.org forward slash membership.